And the simple truth is that where your mind goes, your life follows. Is that true? Like where your mind goes, your life follows. You notice this about yourself? I'm tired of negative and toxic thinking taking me over and over and over and over again to familiar outcomes. It's just not been helpful for me. I could use some new results, but in order to do that, I gotta ask myself this question, and you gotta ask yourself this question too. What is my mindset on? Now a mindset is more than just your thinking, right? A mindset is your mood, it's an attitude. It's a disposition, it's an intention. One way to think about it is that a mindset is the difference between a, a thermometer and a thermostat. Thermostat sets the temperature, and that, that's really what a mindset is. A mindset, a deeply ingrained way of thinking, it sets the temperature of your life. And, and, and the, the powerful like, reality to that is, is, is this idea that when you, so, so that when you change your thinking, you, you actually change your life. We are in week seven today of uh, Becoming Wise, and uh, I think I have a decent message today. Uh, my, my brother and his family came to town unexpectedly this weekend, and so uh, I stayed up later last night than I usually do, and, uh, and so if, if, if you're like, man, that was a little off, uh, it's, it's his fault, so <laughs> it's his fault. So um, we're in week seven, uh, series on Becoming Wise. Um, the heart behind this series for me has just been to share with you what God's been doing in me. Uh, and I've been in a season of the Lord really um, uh, taking me through some painful lessons, um, teaching some things to me that uh, I've needed. And, and I just kind of thought that, that I would teach you um, out of like where I've been and that, and that perhaps what God's doing in me, in me would be beneficial to you in your own spiritual journey. Um, I've been in a season of needing wisdom. Uh, I, I've been in a season of, of needing to, to hear from God, needing to know the voice of God, needing, needing God to speak. I, it, we've been dealing with things in our family, with our kids, decisions to be made. We've been, I've been dealing with things in my own life, internally, in my own soul. I, I, I mentioned that I, you know, to you a number of times, but I've been going and, and, and speaking with a, uh, a therapist again and just talking through like, like internal things, things that have maybe existed in me for years, Stuff that maybe dates back to when my uncle passed away five years ago. Just dealing with some things, you know, and um, and uh, I encourage you to do that too if if you need it. But I, I've just been uh, we've been in a season at our church of like big decisions needing to be made and like like where where what are we doing and 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 shifting gears and turning a corner. And I, I've just been like God, I, I need I need to know like what you're saying. I don't just want to rely on my own strength and I don't want to just rely on my own talent and ability because I'm so aware of how how. Uh, you know, how much I fall short, like where I end and like where God needs to step in and make up the difference. And so I've just been in a time of saying, God, would you speak? And, and, uh, and so this is a series on just needing wisdom. And uh, I, I think that, that we all could probably use more wisdom in our life. I, I, don't, I don't care how long you've been uh, following Jesus. I don't, I don't care how old you are. It's not really about age anyway. Um, but I think we all could use more wisdom. When you think about the world that we live in and how much different the world looks today than it did even five years ago, 10 years ago, uh, I think we would be wise. I think it would serve us well to step back every so often and go, where's my wisdom at? Is my wisdom keeping up? Is it keeping pace? Think about all the changes in terms of like lifestyles and worldviews and uh, ideologies in the world today that have shifted and changed so dramatically in the last five to 10 years. Think about 
you know, technologies. I mean, I mean how, how radically different the world is. Think about 2007 when the iPhone came out and how, I mean, the gateway that was to like unprecedented technology at your fingertips. And we have to step back sometimes and go, hey, is this all of this beneficial? Is all of this okay? Like, like, like where's my wisdom? Is it keeping up? Is it keeping pace? And, and so, um, you know, in this series, we talked about a lot of things. We talked in, in week one about the need to search for wisdom because Proverbs talks a lot about, about this idea of, of wisdom being something that when you find it, like, and, and, and when you search for it and when you find it, like, you'll find the knowledge of God. And I'm like, in a time of my life where I need to know what God thinks. Like, I need his knowledge, you know, not just my own. And, and so we want to search for wisdom. We, we've talked about the importance of our words and, you know, what comes out of our mouth and being wise in our speech. We've talked about being wise in our conflict, right? Uh, be, being wise uh, when, when it comes to fearing God. The, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've talked about being wise in terms of the will of God and knowing, uh, you know, uh, how to make decisions that, that aren't just like, uh, where, where we, we make, you know, make up our mind and ask God to bless what we've already, <laughs> you know, already in, uh, decided to do, but that, but that we try to align our will with his will. And uh, we talk, talked last week about struggle, like, like struggling, how to, how, to, how, to, how to become wise in how we struggle. And, uh, and today, I, I want to I kind of conclude this series. Um, I was reading in Proverbs, because Proverbs is this book that's full of wisdom, if you didn't know, uh, on how to navigate life. One of, it's, it's part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, how to, how to navigate life. And I, and, I, and I was reading this week, not really knowing where, where I'm going, because I, I, as I've mentioned, I've just been kind of going week by week, saying, God, like, what do you want me to, what do you want me to, to speak on? Because there's been just some, some fresh stuff, some raw stuff in me, and I'm going like, well, how am I feeling right now? What, what's, what's a new thing God's, God's been teaching me? And I didn't want to get too ahead or too planned out in this series. Came across some scriptures that are, that are, that are Famous. I mean, like you'll know these probably, and and it just it just stopped me in my tracks. And then God, the Holy Spirit began to just just do some things in me this past week, and I'm and I'm journaling some things. And so some of this uh, message today is really um, some of my own like journal entry. <laughs> uh, some of it's just some of my own stuff God's been doing in me, and I hope it blesses you. But Proverbs four twenty three uh, through twenty seven, Solomon writes this. He says, "Guard your heart above all else." for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet, stay on the safe path, don't get sidetracked, and keep your feet from following evil. Now, like, these scriptures are are well known. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 especially, like, above all else, guard your heart. You know, for, for uh, you know, like, like uh, one translation says, for it is the, the wellspring of life. New Living says, says uh, it determines the course of your life. And so we're told here in these verses to guard our hearts because, because what we allow into our hearts will determine the course of our life. You catch that? If you, if you think about it like this, you know, this is why we, we tell people to be careful who they give their heart to. So we tell young people, you know, like, if you were married young, you know, I, I don't know too many people who were married young that, like, recommend that. You know, it, you know, it doesn't mean that you, you know, are, are divorced or anything, but it just means that we all know, like, you get married young, it's not easy. And so we, we caution young people and we say, hey, be careful who you give your heart to. Why? Because, because it will determine the course of your life. 
Like we just know that. It's, it's, it's a big deal. So you guard your heart. I like, I like another translation of, of Proverbs 4.23 that says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Out of your heart flow the issues of life. And so we're told to guard our hearts because throughout our lives, there are things that will come against us. I mean, you don't have to... You don't have to guard, the reason why you guard something is because there, are, there, 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 is, there is something that is trying to get access to it. There, there is something else that's trying to steal. You know, like if you're, if you're guarding a basketball, you're, you're protecting it from someone who's trying to steal it. You guard your heart because there are, there are things out there that are trying to get access to it. And so we guard our hearts to protect, to protect ourselves from the things that have come to harm us, like the, the agenda of the enemy, like the, the, the spiritual assignments of, of, of the evil one, like that want to come against you and me, want to get access to our heart. And so what I've, what I've been learning about myself, the reason why I framed up this talk the way I did and, and started with the scriptures, because what I've been learning about myself um, is, is this thought, if you're taking notes, that the fastest way to my heart is through my mind. The fastest way to my heart is through my mind, and over, over, uh, I think I would say, oftentimes over the years, I, I've not done a very good job of guarding my heart because I wasn't very good at guarding my mind. Oftentimes in my life, what I have found is that the fastest way to my heart is through my mind. That's why Paul writes this in in Colossians three, and he says, "Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God." And then verse two, he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So Paul writes this, right? And, and, and he's talking about how it really has to be both. It's not one or the other. I think the reason why Paul mentions both the heart and the mind needing to be set on things above is because oftentimes what I have found in my life is that what I've allowed into my mind has made its way into my heart. Are you with me today? It's, it's, it's what I've, I've just noticed. I've just noticed that, that when I don't have a tight rein on how I think, like toxic thoughts, when it, like, like what I've allowed into my mind has oftentimes made its way into my heart. And yet, I, yet I, am, I am cautioned. There is great wisdom in Proverbs 4 to above all, all else, like guard my heart. And yet, yet the fastest way to get access has been through my thoughts, through thinking, runaway thoughts, bitterness, offense, revenge, envy, entertaining negative thoughts that are not helpful in any way. I um, hope I'm not alone in all of this today, right? I, I could use like an amen every once in a while, preach that, shout at me, Pastor Jordan. Lately, I've, I've been learning more and more and more about the power of the mind. I've been learning more and more specifically about the power of my own mind. And the simple truth is that where your mind goes, your life follows. Is that true? Like where your mind goes, your life Follows. You notice this about yourself? It's, I mean, there's a portion of this that, that's going to feel a little like self-help, and it's, 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 that's really not what, I, what I'm trying to do today. Uh, it's not like we're not just going to get into like the power of positive thinking today. Like, like, but it's powerful. Like God has created our mind to function a, a certain way. It's a powerful reality, right, that where your mind goes, your life follows. Our thoughts are powerful, so much so that they steer our life. I, I, I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever seen this in yourself or you've seen this in other people, just how much like, like, like their, their, their mindsets and their, their, their thinking has, has steered their life in a direction. You've got two people dealing with the same exact situations, but they're thinking about it differently and they end up at different destinations 
because of their thoughts. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this. It says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. Another translation, for as a man thinks within his heart. It connects the, the mind to the heart. As a man thinks within his heart, so he is, so he becomes. So the lives, so what it's saying here is that the lives that we live are often a reflection of the thoughts that we think. Right? Craig Rochelle, maybe some of you are familiar with him, a pastor, has a, a, a large church in America, but he says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. You think about that. Think about like what occupies your mind. Think about what you focus on the most. He says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And in 2005, so this is an outdated uh, study, the National Science Foundation did a study on the human brain. They found in this study that on average, you and I have 40,000 thoughts per day. 40,000 thoughts per day. And out of those 40,000 thoughts, what they found is that on average, 80% of those thoughts are negative. Negative. Think about that. They were able to determine that 95% of your thoughts every single day are the, are, are the same as your thoughts from yesterday. So what you're thinking today, 95% of your thoughts today are the same that you had yesterday. That, that's a wild statistic. So neuroscience is showing us that our thoughts create pathways in our brains that help foster future thinking. So what I think today, I'm gonna, tomorrow I'm going to think about it. And if I think about it tomorrow, there's a 95% chance I'm going to think about it the next day. And so neural pathways get kind of burned into our brain to dictate future thinking. It's a big deal. Each time, so so what, what they're saying, what the study essentially is revealing is that each time you think a thought, it's easier to think that thought again. And again. And again. And again, right? It's, it's good news if you're thinking good things. It's not such, such good news if, if you're not thinking good things, if you're thinking toxic things, and what you'll find is that there's a bad neural pathway that will get created or developed in your mind. So what does this reveal about humanity? What does this idea uh, of this study, what does it reveal about humanity? That you and I have 40,000 thoughts per day, 80% of them are negative, right? And, and that today, 95% of your thoughts are the same as Yesterday, I think it's, it's this, if you're taking notes, is that most people tend to go negative and become a broken record, right? It's the same thing on repeat over and over and over again. Our, our negative thoughts live on repeat. How many of you, when you hear a new song that you like, are you, are, how many of you are like one of those people that just puts it on repeat? Like until you burn that thing out, until you can't stand listening to it again. It's like, you know, it's just it's over and over and over. It's like a dripping faucet. And what I've learned about myself, okay, I think, I think part of it's been informed from being a pastor, but, but what I've just learned about myself just as a man, as a human being, is that, is that I have the tendency to make much out of my weaknesses and very little out of my strengths. I don't think I'm alone in that. Like, I, I have noticed that I have the tendency to focus on all that is missing rather than focus on all that I have. I, I have, can have the tendency to focus on the negative. And... Um, the encouragement today, if, if any of you are with me, if any of you struggle in your mind, if you struggle with your thinking, the encouragement is, is you know, Scripture gives us tons of encouragement. Like, we have the power to change. That, that, that we've, we've, you know, 
You have the ability to be set free, that there's freedom, right, in, in these areas. But science also tells us that, that you and I, we can actually change our brain through what is called neuroplasticity. Okay, it's a big word, neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is the process of changing the way that you think. And when you start to change the way that you think, new pathways are created which lead to new results. So I don't know about you, but as I look at my life, I could use some new, new results. Like I, I've been evaluating some of, some of my thought processes, some of my mindsets, and I'm like, I don't love the outcomes all the time. I don't love where I end up. I could use some new results. I'm tired of negative and toxic thinking taking me over and over and over and over again to familiar outcomes. It's just not been helpful for me. I could use some new results, but in order to do that, I gotta ask myself this question, and you gotta ask yourself this question too. What is my mind set on? What is my mind set on? In other words, what is my mind set? What is my mind set? Now, a mindset is more than just your thinking, right? A mindset is your mood, it's an attitude. It's a disposition, it's an intention. One way to think about it is that a mindset is the difference between a, a thermometer and a thermostat, right? A thermometer is gonna tell you your temperature. If you're sick or you're not feeling well, you think you might have a fever, you're gonna get a thermometer and it'll just tell you what your temperature already is. A thermostat sets the temperature. That's the difference, right? Thermostat sets the temperature and that, that's really what a mindset is. A mindset a deeply ingrained way of thinking, it sets the temperature of your life. And, and, and the, the powerful like, reality to that is, is, is this idea that when you, so, so that when you change your thinking, you, you actually change your life. Like we find this all the time, like, like, like there's power in changing the way that we think. This isn't just like a science thing, like scripture's all about this. That, that, like, that, that there's a renewal that is meant to take place in the way that we think. That, that, think about, the, the promises in Scripture in the New Testament, we'll get to them about renewing our mind. What does it mean to renew? To, to take something that is just really not working right and to, and to make it new again. The, 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 this is like the promise of, of, of what Jesus has bled and died for, not just to save our soul, but to renew our thinking, to renew our minds. Ecclesiastes 10.2 in the message, I, I love Eugene Peterson because he he says, wise thinking leads to right living, stupid thinking leads to wrong living. Is that good? That's some stupid thinking. And so let me, just, let me just tell you what I think, I think Scripture teaches, right, about all this, is I think that it's important for you to know that who you've been is not a great indicator of who you can become. Okay, so when you look at your life and you think about how, like, how it's been or how, how like the runaway train, the thoughts have just sort of taken you down a path, like who you've been is not a great indicator of who you can become. In other words, God does not consult with your past to determine your future, but we often do. We often do that. God doesn't think, well, you know, because you did these things, this is as good as it's gonna ever get. Like that's not the gospel. That's not the good news of the gospel, right? But we do this. Like we do this all the time, and so I want to encourage you. To, I, want, I want you to think of yourself this way. I want you to think of yourself as being in transit. Okay, I want you to think of yourself as being in transit. Think about you know all of, all of you Amazon, you know shoppers. Like my, like if if, you, if you're not familiar with Amazon, my wife is happy to explain how it works. She's a pro. She's a professional. So Amazon. Uh, those of you who are some of you are waiting for things to arrive today because now Amazon delivers on Sundays, but 
I want you to think about a package that you are waiting on to arrive, the tracking number. How many of y'all, when you've got something that you've purchased, you, you like to track it. You want to see if it's going to arrive a day early or where it's at because it's late. The package, when, when you're waiting for it to arrive, it is in transit, is it not? The package hasn't arrived yet. That's, that's what this idea means. And we often forget that we too are in transit. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus purchased you by his blood. But now all of us are in transit. All of us are in process. All of us are becoming who God has called us to be. Like, I'm not perfect, right? You're not perfect. I like to think of it like this. I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected, right? I, I, I don't know, you know, I, doubtful that I'll arrive at perfection, but I'm being perfected. Like, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. He's making me into who God has called me to be. Is there anybody grateful this morning that God is not done working in you, that God's not done working with you, that you're becoming something. Is anyone grateful to be reminded this morning that you are in transit, right? You're in process, that you've been purchased by Jesus for sure, but he's not done with you yet, you've not arrived yet, that you are still in process. And that's, that's good news. And I think, I think maybe the caution to this is, is, is this idea right here that, that, that you know, we all have good intentions of where we want to end up, but that good intentions are not enough to get you to your destination. I, 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 like, I, I've explained this before, but I, I, I've never married a couple who thought that they would just be married for five years and just maybe, maybe give it a shot. And, and you know, um, I, I, everybody who I've ever married is, has the intention to be married for a lifetime. Anybody I've ever sat down with who's in, like, financial, you know, uh, trouble, like, never intended to get there. They always in, intended to to have, uh, you know, wealth and, and to have, like, their, their acts together in, in that area. And good intentions aren't enough to get you to your destination, but Scripture teaches us that we can change, that we can end up at a new destination. I think that in order to do that, one of the things we need is a sound mind. It's a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7, very famously, right, Paul writes to his young protege, uh, Timothy, and he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power love, and a what? And a sound mind. So when you really look at the scripture, a sound mind is something that we have been given. Something we have been given, and yet it is something that we often do not possess. We have been given a sound mind, and yet there are so many people who I look at, who I meet with in the church and outside the church who do not possess a sound mind. I, I would say furthermore, you know, like a sound mind is something that we, we rarely ever see this on display no matter which direction that we look. Like, it's much more common to look around and see people who are losing their mind instead of possessing a sound mind. Like everywhere you look, like it feels like people are losing their, their mind, right? Like, I, I, I don't, there's nothing else to add. So they're losing their mind, like, you know what I mean? Especially since, like, like since COVID, but this goes back. But like, I mean, throughout all of that, you're like, people are losing their mind. So much confusion, so much worry and panic, so much fear. And then, and then like, you, you distill it down and like, we see all the data around anxiety and depression. And, you know, the, the, like, no matter how much medication we throw at it, the issue isn't getting better. It's getting worse. 
So many people trying to figure out who they really are. There's so much confusion around their sexuality, their identity. Fear is taking over our society. And as a result, so many people have lost their mind, legitimately lost their mind. I want to encourage you because like maybe you've felt that way before. Maybe you feel like that now sometimes. Like this mind, like this mind of yours is just like a runaway train. It's just like, wow, like how did it get from here to there so quickly? I think in order to get to the destination that God has for you, you're going to need a sound mind. You're going to need to possess that which you have been given. You've been given a sound mind. And to have a sound mind, you're going to need to be careful with what you set your mind on. Paul tells us in Galatians that if we set our mind on the flesh, it will lead to death. It will lead to destruction. But that if we set our mind on the spirit, on the things of God, it will lead to life. It will lead to the fruit of the spirit, which Galatians 5, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One of the indicators of the fruit of the spirit being, being, being developed in your life is, is self-control. And that when you're walking in the Spirit, when your mind is on the things of God, you can actually control yourself. Like you don't have to give yourself over to those desires. You don't have to give yourself over to those thoughts. You don't have to. You don't have to. That there is self-control. And so Paul's telling Timothy here that, that he's not been given a spirit of fear. He's not been given a spirit of worry. He's not been given a spirit of anxiety, of depression. He's not been given these things. He's, those aren't from God. He's been given a sound mind. You have been given a sound mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes, a lot of Paul today, he writes to the church in Corinth, and he says this in, in verse three, he says, for, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. How many of y'all think we could, we could do a whole sermon series on that scripture? We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Verse five, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is Complete. I love verse six. We'll be ready to, to punish every act of disobedience in terms of our thinking. Like we're taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ and every thought that's not obedient to Christ, we're gonna punish that thought, right? We're gonna give a little spanking. We're gonna punish that thought. I don't know. I, I feel like I've just been a little more unfiltered. Uh, strike that from the video. Uh, Man, if you read Paul in the New Testament, if you read his stuff, what you know is that Paul does a great job in his different letters to explain the spiritual battle in which we are all involved in, right? Ephesians 6, he talks about how this struggle or this battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness in the heavenly realms. He talks about like this, this, this warfare worldview we're to have, that there's, there is like, like demonic forces against us, right? He, I mean, he paints this picture. Right? That it's not just what you see in the natural, but there is like an unseen battle, an unseen realm, a spiritual realm. But here in 2 Corinthians, as he's writing to this church, Paul is saying here in, in these like beautiful scriptures, 
that sometimes that battle can exist in our mind. That sometimes that spiritual battle, sometimes that, 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 that warfare that we, that we come up against, some, it's not always just external. Sometimes it's internal, and sometimes it's in our mind. Not that we're making it up, but sometimes it exists in our thoughts. And so we take every thought captive, the good ones and the bad ones. We run them through a filter. Like, is this thought okay? Is this acceptable? Is this thought in obedience to Christ? Should I think this way or not? We take the good ones and the bad ones, every thought captive. And so Paul's painting a picture here of the enemy working really, really, really hard to influence our thoughts because if he gets our mind, he gets our heart. And if he gets our heart, he gets our life. And the enemy knows how to gain access to your life, everybody. He knows that oftentimes the place you are most vulnerable is in your mind. And the good news here in 2 Corinthians is that we have been given divine power to, dem to demolish strongholds. Divine power. Divine power. This is a power that is not of you. This is, this is something that you have been given, right? You've been given a, a, a supernatural power to demolish strongholds. Now, strongholds are a big deal. They're a really big deal. Uh, some of you know what those are like. Some of you know, like, like addictions, you know what it, what it's, how difficult it can be to kick a habit. Strongholds are a big deal. If you think about uh, this picture of, you know, in military terms, where they, uh, a stronghold's literally like a, like a fortress it, where a wall has been built high enough and thick enough to keep the enemy out. It, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's this fortress. I think of like Lord of the Rings stuff, you know, like, like these fortresses they retreat to, 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 to try to be safe against uh, the enemy. But in this case, in Paul's example here, the things that set themselves up against the knowledge of God in our lives, the lies of the enemy, are the ones being safely protected behind the wall of that stronghold. We're not inside the stronghold like the enemy is and all of his lies. They're safely protected inside the stronghold. Strongholds are an area in our life where the enemy has taken ground. He's taken ground. Where we've given ourselves over to the flesh or whatever, or, or, or to some toxicity, to some thoughts that are not, are not helpful, and these are very difficult things to just overcome. Maybe you've tried. Strongholds are impossible to overcome by ourself, which is why there is divine power to demolish these strongholds. There is divine power to help. Paul is saying this, if you're taking notes, that a stronghold is the wall that keeps, look, look, listen to this, it's the wall that keeps God's truth from getting to the place in the human mind and the human heart that controls our life. It, it, it's this barrier that keeps the truth of what God really says on the outside. It, does, it, it, has, a, it has an inability to break through because there's a stronghold. And when the truth is not getting through to you or getting through to me, there is a stronghold and we end up getting controlled by lies. That, that's, that's the problem, that's the struggle, is that there are, there's deception like, like from our spiritual enemy, right? And, and, and these strongholds that, that exist in our life, it, it's, it's very, very, very difficult for the truth of what God says about you and about me to get through that barrier, to get through that, that wall. Lies like you can't trust anyone. You ever, you ever had that lie? You ever, you, ever, you ever thought that way? Maybe I'm just, you know, talking about myself, or like you won't succeed. 
You'll always be broke. You're always going to struggle. Always going to rub, you know, pennies together. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's always going to be like this. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it's always going to be. Your major, your marriage is never going to be good. God never hears my prayers. God doesn't care. Prayer doesn't even make a difference. Like, you ever just just thought those things, had those enter into your mind? What I've been learning, and the reason why I talk about about this being a spiritual battle that sometimes exists in our mind is because I've had thoughts pop into my brain, and and they're not mine. They are not my thoughts. Like, when I I, I get a chance to, like, stop and, and, like, zoom out, and I'm like, that is not me. That is not a reflection of, like, who I know myself to be. Like, why would I even think that way? And, and the truth is, is that they're not. They're not my thoughts. And sometimes you have things that enter into your mind that are not your thoughts. You have an enemy that loves to whisper things, loves to try to plant ideas and thoughts, and he does it in a way that makes you think that it is your thought. And then you'll own it, and you'll start to think that this is me. This is a reflection of me. Like, and it's, an embar- it's embarrassing because you're like, I don't want anyone to know about that, that I think this way. Look, there, there is an assault on your mind from your spiritual enemy to get you to, to, to think and believe certain lies and then, and, then, and then to embrace them as your own way of thinking. I don't know about you, but, but for me, I'm realizing that some of the most difficult strongholds to overcome are the ones that live in my mind. Some of you, you're in church here this morning but you know what it's like for your mind to be held captive by something other than peace and love and joy. You know what it's like to have your mind held captive by negativity and toxicity, by things that do not produce any good fruit. I was thinking about how, you know, my, my daughter, Molly, um, if you take your eyes off her, you can lose her. If you're out in public, if you're, you know, at like Disney, like, I mean, she is prone to wander. Um, it's, it's, it's like scary sometimes. We're like, like, and you no matter how many times you sit her down and, and you get her to like look you in the eyes, like her eyes are bouncing because she doesn't want to do eye contact, you know, like, um, she's a lot like I was when I was her age, but she is like tough. You got to rein her in. Like I probably need to invest in a harness, like, you know, all, all those things, but she, She's a wanderer, you know, She'll, and, and she has such a good heart. Like, like she just, she's very curious. She's kind of like captivated by something that she sees. She's very much a squirrel, like in that regard, and she's just gone. And, and you're like, wow, like, 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 where are you? And I was thinking about her and how, how often she can just see something and wander, like, um, and then end up getting, getting lost. And how when it comes to our thoughts, when you let your thoughts do that, when you let your thoughts wander, you and I, like, we are prone to getting lost. We're prone to getting lost. Like, how did I get here? I don't know how to get back to where I was. We are not supposed to entertain every thought that comes into our mind. We're not. We're not. That's why we take every thought captive. We're supposed to guard our mind. We're supposed to take our thoughts captive instead of being held captive by our thoughts or our way of of thinking, and so many of you, like you're so familiar with how your brain works, how your mind works, that you you, you become convinced that like this is this is just how you're, you you were made. This is how God designed you. This is how how it works, and and it's it's not true. One of the best ways to understand this is to think of your mind as like a prisoner of war. Like we are in a battle. I want you to think of your mind sometimes as like a prisoner of war. Think of it being captured, right? But the thing about your mind is that it wants to escape. Captivity. It doesn't want to be held captive, but for some of us, it just is. 
The good news today is that you don't have to let your mind be held captive or held hostage any longer. Today, the stronghold can come down because you've been given divine power to demolish strongholds. Let me give you, uh, let me give you this thought. A stronghold is a mindset that accepts a situation as unchangeable even though we know it's against the will and the word of God. If you look at something, if you think of, if you've ever seen this, this, this show, out, show up in your life, you look at something and you're just like, well, this is just the way it is. This is just, this is just the cards I've been dealt. And yet scripture's so clear, like it's all about hope. It's all about like, no, but God, God can overwrite that. God, God can, he can write another chapter to that story. And when we start to get into a place of, of like negativity where we're like, man, this is just unchangeable. This is just how, how life is. Like we actually are working against like the will of God. We're working against the word of God that wants to speak truth to you in your situation and in your time of need that says, that gives opportunity for the supernatural. It gives opportunity for, for God to have voice to your situation that you're in. And you gotta be careful with that mindset. You gotta be careful with that stronghold of negativity because it will actually work against the, the work that God wants to do in your life. We stop believing for a miracle. We stop expecting things to change. And so because, maybe we have to adjust our thinking, everybody. So a stronghold um, can be a mindset. It's not exclusively a mindset, but it can be a mindset, which is like an ingrained way of thinking that you become so familiar with that you think it's normal. You think it's the way it is. So often we only try to treat the symptoms of a stronghold, though, right? Like, we try to treat the addiction, the immorality, the codependency that are the result of a stronghold, but that's not how you tear down a stronghold, just treating the symptom. The only way you can tear down a stronghold is by identifying the lie and filling it with God's truth. It's the only way you can do it. In John 8, Jesus tells us very clearly who the devil is. He says that he is the father of lies, that when he lies, he actually speaks his native what? his native tongue, his native language. Like that's, he's fluent in lies. That's his native language. And how does he lie to you? How does the enemy lie to you? Oftentimes it's through your thoughts. It's through your thinking. Little unchecked thoughts. I, I, I wanna like speak to somebody this morning, like little unchecked thoughts. And when they come to you, you again, you actually think that you came up with them. They're, but they're unchecked. They're just kind of getting through. They're getting through and and and. and, and when they're getting into your mind, you gotta be so careful because your heart is vulnerable right now. These things, these things have the ability at lightning speed to go from here to here. The enemy is a master at deception. And so what he does is he doesn't just come to you and tell you a full lie, he tells you a half truth. Sounds, sounds like it could be, sounds possible. So many of us have given up our mind. We've, we've given over our mind. We've focused our mind on the things of the flesh, not the things of the spirit. But I want to just, just say this to you, again, if you're taking notes, and I think this is an important thought, that anyone who is not receiving God's truth is being influenced by the devil's lies. But there's an area in your life where, like, you know, you need to, truth needs to be spoken, and truth is not getting through. You're being, you're being influenced by the lies of the enemy. Let me, let me paint it this way. Uh, Matthew 12, 29 says this. Um, this is Jesus speaking. says, or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man 
then he can rob his house. Okay, you can read through those again here. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. So what does the enemy do? What's the enemy's strategy here? He comes to you and me with little unchecked thoughts, small lies. You're not enough. You are your mistakes. You are your failures. You should give up now. It's never gonna be worth it. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever yours are. Uh, these are just examples. Um, each of these lies, they, they, they are trying string by string to tie you up. Before you know it, you're bound and the enemy can come and he can rob from you. He can steal from you. The Apostle Paul's telling us in 2 Corinthians that we have divine power to tear down these types of strongholds. And so any area of your life in which, of our life in which we're unable to receive truth, it's evidence of a stronghold. It's evidence of a stronghold in your life. Any any area of your life in which, which you struggle to receive truth. So what happens sometimes is, is you know, uh, I, I try to think that, uh, I try to believe that when, I'm pre- when I preach week in and week out that, I, that I'm teaching truth. I, if I'm not, then you should probably find another church. But I, I like to think that I'm, I'm, I'm teaching, tr- you know, biblical truth. Sometimes, here's an example of, of what I mean by this, is that sometimes I, I, like I can be up here and I can be teaching on like forgiveness, preaching, it's truth, it's, I'm preaching on forgiveness, uh, which is God's truth for like your healing if you're carrying unforgiveness in your heart. But instead of hearing it and receiving it, what happens is you put up a wall. You put up a wall. Like, that's just a little too sensitive. That's a little too vulnerable. That's a little too raw right now. And, and when that happens, it's evidence of a stronghold in your life. And you can, you can kind of fill in the topic. You can fill in the situation. But if, I, if, if someone, you know, it doesn't have to be a sermon, but if someone starts to teach truth to you or talk truth to you or, or advise you in truth and you start to feel that wall go up, it's a sign of a stronghold. It's a, strong, it's a sign of, the, of an area in which the enemy has, has, has gotten access. And he certainly doesn't want you to be free from that at all. So there's, there's just, just a, few, a few steps, I think, for how to tear down a stronghold. And I'm, I'm gonna blitz through them and uh, go hang out with my family. Uh, I think one of the ways you, you tear down a stronghold is, is you, just, you just repent just repent. Repentance is the first step in tearing down strongholds. And yet repentance is a word that most of us struggle with. It's like it's like a kind of like a dirty word, like in, in it feels like in the church sometimes. We don't like this word. It has like a negative connotation. What do you mean repent? Like what I gotta repent from? It's a word that's been thrown around a lot. It's something that most people in the church do not really understand. Sometimes to understand which what something is, you have to understand what it's not, right? You have to kind of like reverse engineer this thought. And so repentance, let me just explain. It's not remorse. It's not just remorse. Repentance is not just acknowledging that you made a mistake, right? Jesus didn't just, you didn't just die for mistakes. That's not what Jesus went to the cross for. He, he died for sin. Sin renders you dead forever. Mistakes are like a mishap. Mistakes are like a whoops, you know, like, didn't mean to do that. Like, no, like that's, that's not what Jesus died for. He died for sin. Repentance doesn't just, doesn't just start with remorse. Even though remorse is kind of, it's kind of like the, the beginnings of repentance. It's like recognizing, oh man, that wasn't, that wasn't great. But remorse is often only just a feeling. That's the problem with it. That's why it's not repentance. It's, it's, it's often just a feeling. It's, a, it's like we feel bad or we feel some guilt. Repentance is so much more than a feeling. 
You know, I, I, I parenting's crazy right now, and uh, my kids like to fight with each other. Like to, you know, like the twins the other day, like, like one of them like punched the other in the face, and the other one like, you know, grabbed their neck. I was like, what are we watching on TV? You know, like, like what's happening? So, uh, I mean, there's a little part of you that's proud as a dad, uh, and then there's a part of you that's like, that ain't, that ain't good. That ain't good. When my kids get into trouble and they throw a fit, um, I have learned, like, so I got to discipline them, and they're like emotional, tears everywhere. What I've learned is that their emotions are not always repentance. Any parents know that? Most of the time, they're only upset because they're in trouble, not because of what they did. So it's more than a feeling. It's, repentance is more than a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It's not just an emotion. Right? So additionally, confession is not just repentance either. Many times my kids have admitted to doing things that they weren't sorry for. It's not, repentance isn't just confession. Confession is not repentance. I'm like, did you do it? Yeah, I did it. Do you feel bad about it? No, I don't. That's not, that's not repentance. So they've confessed, but they don't, they're, not, they're not doing anything. They don't feel bad about it. And, and so there is like a level of like remorse. There's a level of guilt. Like, I want to, I mean, look, we, we don't go down the guilt, the guilt road a whole lot. There's no extra credit for feeling, guilt, feeling guilty all the time. That's not, that is not repentance. Uh, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like, you understand the scripture? Okay. Um, but this is what repentance is. It's a heartfelt sorrow towards sin and a decision to turn and walk the other way in obedience to Jesus. It's more than just a feeling and an emotion. It's like it's actually like I'm changing my life. Like I'm, I was walking this way, but I've turned around and I'm walking in the other direction. I, I, I don't just, it's not just that I feel bad. I'm changing my life. It's a sorrow in the heart for sure, but then it's a forsaking of that sin. It's a turning of your life away from that sin and towards Jesus. And, and so it's really important. Repentance is the place we start. We're like, we recognize, hey man, you know, God, like, like in my, there's been sin in the way I think. Like I've actually, I've actually thought in a way that is not helpful or healthy in any way and I just wanna repent from that. I wanna turn and walk from that. And then, and then uh, the second thing I'd say is, is uh, in, in order to kind of tear down a stronghold is you wanna, you wanna replace. You wanna repent and then you wanna replace. You wanna replace the bad thought with, a, with, with the good thought, with the God thought. Right? Not just the better thought, but you want to replace the bad thought with the God thought. You want to pr- replace the lie with the truth. When we've done 21 days of prayer and fasting over the last several years, maybe some of you remember like the, the declarations that we send out for each day. They're powerful. Uh, some of them, like, like, you know, as we're praying, there's some of these, these declarations, like, like this one, I'm anointed and empowered and equipped and called to reach people who are far from God. Like, that's a powerful declaration. You just, you know, if, if you don't feel that way, it's like, well, that doesn't matter how I feel. Like, what is the truth? And so, you, the, you know, like, like those declarations are almost prophetic because it doesn't have to resemble, like, who you are today. It's, it's all about you're in process, you're in transit, who God's making you into. That is who I am meant to be. Or, or another declaration, the world will be different and better because I served Jesus today. That's a declaration. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a prophetic declaration on my day, on my life. Why, why is this stuff so important? Because oftentimes I don't feel what's true. And, and we've talked about this before, but like whatever, whatever you feed grows and whatever you starve dies. And I, I, have been, I have been prone. I have given myself over to like feeding things that I should have been starving. 
and starving things I should have been feeding. And when I get those things mixed up, I find myself in a place where like, wow, how did I get here? How did I get here in my mind? And so there's some personal declarations, right? I, th- that just help to unseat the lie and replace the bad thought with the God thought. So here's some, here's some. I am strong and mighty. I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of me. I am a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. Right? I, that is true. That is who I am. doesn't matter how I feel. That's who I am. I am not my past. I'm not what I did. I'm not, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not my past. I'm not what I did. I am who God says I am. He says I am forgiven. He says I'm redeemed. And he says I'm free. It, it doesn't matter when that stuff starts to creep up. I start to feel bad about it. I start to entertain it. I got to unseat the lie with the truth. I am not a hostage to my unhealthy thoughts. The weapons I fight with are not the weapons of this world. I have divine power to demolish strongholds. Come on, right? Number four, I have the mind of Christ directing my thoughts. Like it may not feel true, and it may not be true the last several days, but I gotta like, I gotta, I gotta see like where my mind has been, where my thinking has been, and I gotta pull myself out of that and go, what, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have the mind of Christ. Colossians tells me not just that I can have the mind of Christ, but that I have it. I have the mind of Christ directing my thoughts, and I have the word of God guiding my steps. I gotta believe that. I gotta replace the lie with what is true. My words, thoughts, and imaginations are under the power of Jesus. I take all thoughts captive, and I make them obedient to Christ. Worry is not my master. Come on. We've got to declare these things over ourselves. Worry is not my master. I trust in God. His peace guards my heart, guards my mind, and it guards my soul in Christ Jesus, my God is for me. My God is with me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Not not death, not demons, not the present nor the past. No power on earth will ever separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. These are things that I have read. These these are things like in a a voice memo I I have recorded. And sometimes when I can't even get myself to like speak them, I play them. Sometimes all I can do is just press the button and it just starts to just wash over me. Truth starts to just flood my mind. So we have to repent sometimes of where we have been thinking, but we've got we've to replace these things too. And then number three, you have to retrain. You have to retrain your mind, like cut off those thoughts. Start to think differently. I'm setting my, things, my thoughts on things above, not on earthly things. One of the things, I, just practical things I've been doing lately is, is I've just been been, uh, as soon as I identify like a negative thought, I, I, I within 30 seconds, I, I, am, I am grabbing it and I'm moving it and I'm, and I'm onto something else. Like I'm intentionally thinking of it like that. Like within 30 seconds, I got to grab that thought or it's going to, it's going to give me a day. So I got to retrain my mind. I got to build some, some different habits that cause me to think differently. And, and, you know, uh, thought here is like, until I set my mind on things above, I'll never be successful in tearing down a stronghold. So I gotta get my mind off of just like the earthly temporary things. I gotta start getting my mind on the things of God, the eternal things, his kingdom. I have to retrain it. This week I was thinking back over the years of my life, my own development. Thinking back to like the pivotal moments of my life. You ever done an exercise like that? 
like, like your journey with the Lord, like where he's been, you ever just stopped and, and just taken some time to think about like the fingerprints of God, like as he's taught you things, things that were significant. And I was doing that this week, thinking about some of it. And it was amazing to me as I looked back that I noticed almost every single pivotal moment in my life came when I had a change in my thinking. When I used to think this way and now I think this way. Uh, one of the most powerful experiences for me it was with my Uncle Rick years ago, and he taught me something that, I mean, I, I've repeated this so many times, probably to some of you, and, and, and it was the simple truth. He said, you, you realize, Jordan, that God has never once had a bad thought about you. Doesn't mean he's never been disappointed, but he's like, he's never had a bad thought about you. Like, you're his, like, you're his kid, and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it affected me in a really deep way. Um, Bill Johnson speak, uh, is, is known for, for saying something like this, that, um, it's inappropriate for me to have a thought about me that God doesn't have about me, you know? It's inappropriate. Like, it's inappropriate, inappropriate for me to have a thought about me that God doesn't have. So, so there is a way that God thinks about you. There's a way that God thinks about me that, 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 that is true, that is good, that is right. But oftentimes, we don't possess those same thoughts towards ourselves. It's, it's inappropriate to, to, to carry thoughts about ourselves that he doesn't have. To have a thought in my mind about myself that he doesn't have, it's actually going to cause me to work against the plan of God for my life. And so, you know, what I've had to do, one of these pivotal moments, I've had to change uh, thinking. I've had to change the thinking of myself. I've had to bring it into alignment with how God thinks about me. I've had to change my thinking of God. I've had to, I've had to just go, all right, like, that's not, that's not true. That's not what God says about me. And so it's, it's, it's about repenting, it's about replacing, and then it's about retraining all so that we can get to number four where we want to renew our mind. We talked about it earlier, but we want to renew our mind. This is what we have been given. We have been given this. This is what Jesus bled and died for. I just want to see Jesus get everything he bled and died for. Like you are, like you are, like right now, the, con the condition you're in, whatever, whatever, if any of this speaks to you, like, and, and you're a believer in Jesus, like, like eternity is secure. Like you're good. But like Jesus bled and died for so much more than just that. It, 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 it's, it's complete and total healing. It's a sozo healing, mind, body, and soul healing, salvation in the mind, the body, and the soul. And so we want to renew our thinking. Paul writes in Romans 12, you guys can go ahead and come up. 12.2 um, says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, by the what? By the renewing. Of your, be transformed. When we talk about wisdom here in this series, it's not just about like improvement. It's not just about being better, being a little bit better, like learning some things to kind of navigate life just a little bit better. No, no, no. Like that's not Christianity. Christianity is a transformation. You're not just like, hey, think a little bit better next time. No, 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 no. It's like, hey, let's, let's, Jesus wants to transform our minds, renew our thinking. He says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. And, uh, and so we need to renew our minds. We need to let the Holy Spirit renew our minds. A couple of the ways, and these are super, super, super practical, but, and I hate to even say it just because it's like, that's what, a, it's just gonna sound so typical for a pastor to say, like, you gotta read your Bible. You wanna renew your mind? You gotta re read your Bible, like, I, I get the struggle with it, but it changes the way that you think. Like the scripture, it's living. Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active, 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and what? Morrow. It judges the thoughts. It judges the what? The thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's living and active. It's living and active. When you read the Bible, it changes the way that you think. And so you got to do it. And then the second thing is just to have a daily conversation with God. Daily conversation with God. I'm not, I don't want you to even just go down the road of like, oh, you got to pray. got to pray. No, just start to have a daily conversation with God. When I do this, this is like my offload moment. This is where I'm just like, stuff I shouldn't be carrying anyway. Stuff that's too heavy for me. This is kind of like, kind of like meditation even, you know? Except that instead of emptying your mind, you're filling your mind. We don't, just want to, we don't just want to empty our mind, right? We want to fill it. We want to empty, but then we want to fill. We want to fill with God's truth. There is hope. There is the power of God to change the way that you think. You change your thinking, you change your life. Amen? Would you stand up with me as we close? I know I ran a little long, and I'm sorry. It's just a passionate topic for me. And would you bow your heads with me for a moment here as we close? And I want to just give you a chance as you're here before, before the Lord. These are holy moments. These are holy moments where the presence of God is real, it's tangible, where the Spirit of God is searching through this room. If you're here today and, and you would just... Uh, Say, hey, Pastor Jordan, while you were speaking, I, I, man, like the Holy Spirit was working me over because I, I need deliverance in my mind. I need uh, my thinking to change. I, I, I need God to do a deep work in renewing my mind. Can I just see your hand today? If you're, if you're like me, if you're like me and you need some deliverance there, you need, you need something to shift dramatically. You need to get your, your mind more in line with like the will and the purposes of God. There's hands all over this room. You are not alone. We are all, you're in good company. So Spirit of God, right now in this room, we call upon you. I ask that you would just step into this room and begin to just, to just speak truth over every person under the sound of my voice. I pray freedom in Jesus' name. I thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty, and we declare that in this place. We recognize now that we have an adversary, we have a spiritual enemy who speaks lies, who is, uh, that's his native language. And so I ask right now, God, that, that you would just lovingly and supernaturally start to place your, your hands over the ears of every person who's been struggling in their mind, and I pray, God, you'd start to, to just silence and quiet out the lies of the enemy so that truth can be spoken right now. Wherever there is a stronghold, I pray freedom right now, God, that these walls would come down, the areas where the enemy has operated safely uh, for too long in our life and in our mind, God, I pray freedom right now. I pray an eviction notice in Jesus' name that he would be evicted right now, that everything that he has been trying to do and establish every life in this room that he's been trying to destroy, every person in this room right now, God, who has, who has been uh, held captive in their thinking and in their mind by the enemy, God, I pray freedom in Jesus' name right now. He who the Son has set free is free. And so, Lord, we pray freedom today. An eviction notice to our enemy right now that you cannot possess our mind. You cannot, you cannot take up space 
any longer. You will stop advancing. And Lord, would you start to just speak right now over every person, God, truth of who they are, who they were intended to be, who they were made to be. I thank you that we are in transit. I pray that that would give hope in this room right now that I'm in transit. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not at my destination yet. I'm being, I'm in process. I'm being built. I'm being created. I'm being developed into the man or the woman that God has made me into be. So there may be some things that aren't right, but I'm in transit. I'm not staying here. I'm moving forward. And so God, would you come and just speak hope? I pray healing and wholeness over every mind right now. Every mind right now, oh God, where there has been worry and anxiety that has, that has plagued people in this room, God, I pray freedom in Jesus' name, where depression has come in and, and, and wanted to, to distort reality, God, I pray that there would just be hope start to fill every person. I thank you that you are the lifter of our head. So where there is deep discouragement, where there is sorrow in this place, where our mind, God, is not thinking right, I pray health and wholeness and strength, freedom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.